Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 114 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Pika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan, and we are recording this episode on April 21st, 2021, and I say the date because if you are a football fan or a soccer fan across the world or even in this country, you probably have seen the news that has just been breaking upon breaking upon breaking the past couple of days, which is the European Super League, or as the formal word of it is the Super League. And we wanted to make this episode because we've had a lot of questions from listeners and a lot of questions from um, personal friends of ours that have been asking, what is this? Why why is this so important? Why is this um, causing so much uproar? And we wanted to basically break it down in this episode. And obviously, when we're recording this, the Super League has pretty much at this point been disbanded because all six of the Premier League clubs have left. Um, and there's, I think, yeah, pretty much is disbanded at this point. But we we were going to talk a little bit more about what it is, why it was important that it was disbanded, and some of the fallout um, and reactions um, because of it, and some of the reactions we've seen from owners and fans alike, and giving our takes because both of our clubs, unfortunately, were part of the Super League. Tyler for Liverpool, me for Manchester United. But we wanted to split it up, I think, the best way, in, I guess, like three little sections. So first of all, what is the Super League? The second one would be why was it created? And the third one, why it's bad for the sport. So first of all, I guess to kick started, to get it kick started in the first part, like what is the Super League? So basically, the Super League involved 12 clubs. So it, it was AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Real Madrid, and Tottenham. So basically what happened, these 12 clubs, and I say clubs, I mean 12 owners, all came together and essentially wanted to break away from the UEFA system of Champions League and Europa League. And if you didn't know how that whole system works is that all clubs within the European leagues, they qualify for the Europa League and Champions League based on merit and merit alone. So that's why you see sometimes like a Leicester City get in the Champions League or West Ham potentially making a Champions League is because of merit. But these 12 owners, they wanted to come in and create their own league called the Super League and essentially funnel all this TV rights money, all the money and basically self-fund themselves in this mega expansive way. And because they were doing that, because of the, they tried to shadow it because of the pandemic was um, they were losing a lot of money because of the pandemic. But I mean, obviously everyone was losing a ton of money because of the pandemic, a lot of lower league clubs had to shut down, unfortunately, or, or were really struggling with money because of that. And essentially these 12 clubs, these 12 owners wanted to just funnel all the money together and create this sort of greed um, of just greed money. I would say of just all this money being funneled, funneled towards them. And it was a, and that's essentially what it was. Um, that, that's like, I guess, the general sense of what the Super League is. And I guess, um, Tyler, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we're going to get for get into the reaction sooner. But I guess a quick um, example of, I guess, like a an example that we could give to like American sports fans. We were talking NCAA football. Think about if such as like the Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama Crimson Tide, Clemson Tigers, Oklahoma, Ohio State, all basically got out of the NCAA system or the college football playoff system and created their own playoff national championship type of series or league. And essentially all the broadcast money, all the money they would generate, all the ticket sales and such would just stay within those six teams. 
and they would invite three more teams based on merit to come join them, but that would be on a yearly basis. But no matter how bad or how bad these teams get, they would still stay in this really premier top dog league and get all the money, even if their results don't, I guess, justify them being in this league. And that's the best way to kind of explain why the Super League was so bad is because it would destroy competition and destroy the need for merit and destroy the need for kind of that competition type play. But, um, you know, Tyler, I wanted to hear, uh, I guess, like your, your, I guess, initial reaction when you kind of heard, I guess, this, and especially um, the whole idea of basically not being, um, essentially getting rewarded for not competing, essentially, not having actual competition, you were getting rewarded. And that, 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 that's what struck me the most. For me, like, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more about what it is as well, just like add on to Yosh, but mm-hmm. like my initial reaction to it was, this is crazy because this is years in the making. This was not something that was just brought up overnight by these 12 owners. It was a contract that's been, apparently, if you look back historically, there have been like little whispers and talks about it yeah. since like 1994, apparently. Yeah. So it's been an ongoing like 170 page contract that's just been ongoing and then finally they chose the pandemic time to just bring it out and sign it when all these other clubs are struggling and all the leagues have been low on money and you know it's kind of maybe been brought out because of the owners feeling vulnerable during this time of recession for at least sports where they're thinking well if something happens like this again we're screwed so yeah. they're kind of using this as like a way to kind of get out of debt. Because yeah. I know Barcelona and Real Madrid are they have terrible hundreds debt. of millions. Especially of, Barcelona. You know, they're in like terrible. I mean, I think we all know like about Barcelona situation, but they're in terrible debts. And I remember I was on TikTok actually, and this guy from the UK was ranting about why the Super League sucks because he supports like his local team. And he was just like, if you're one of these big clubs, how about you don't spend $80 million on a player, you know? And, exactly. and I was just like, yeah, that's true. If we're struggling with money, it's like, if you're kind of broke, the last thing you're going to do is go buy like a PS5 if you're broke. You could, but if you did it, you're going to be screwed for like all your other um, expenses. And that's essentially what a lot of these clubs are doing. They were overspending. And since they overspent and they didn't really balance their books correctly, they were left with a big hole in their pocket. And at that point, that's really your fault for not you know, taking in the fact that you probably should cut back on your spending when the, you're not bringing in as much money. Exactly. And like that really kind of stems to the point of like why it was even created, which we're going to go into. But like it was very much a profit intent for creating this league because not only is it going to be these 12 teams that will never get relegated, never be kicked out of the league, it's going to be played midweek. Yeah. So it's going to be. A direct competition to Champions League and Europa League. And also for their own domestic leagues. Because assuming they wouldn't get kicked out of, say, the Premier League, La Liga, or Syria, then they would play, you know, Manchester United versus Real Madrid on a Wednesday. And then over the weekend, it'd be like Real Madrid versus... Real Bet- no, like, not Betis, like, but like a Granada like or something. Like, like a, I know Granada is doing well right now, but a, a lower opposition team. That's just exactly. in the Super League, essentially. And at that point, a lot of these teams might just not even feel their best players mm-hmm. because they're just what they're thinking. Well, we're going to play Manchester United midweek. We're going to play Arsenal midweek. I'd rather use the better team against them than say against like a Burnley or against like a West Brom. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make the competition in the Premier League a lot weaker, a lot less appealing to watch. And also on top of that, 
all these teams that are getting all this TV money from the Super League are just going to get even richer. So the the gap between the top six, the so the quote unquote top six biggest clubs within the Premier League at least will be even greater in terms yeah. of how much financial backing they'll have compared to West Ham, Leicester, and then everyone else below them because they're not going to get access to these funds. Mm-hmm. And to kind of give you perspective on how much we're talking here in terms of money, if you're in the Premier League, you get around you know 100 million pounds for even just being in the league. And then for winning the Champions League, for winning the whole competition, you get another 100 million pounds. So that's like, so if you're like Liverpool, that season where they won the Champions League, and also, we're in the Premier League. That's like two hundred thousand, or no, two hundred million yeah. pounds right there. Mm-hmm. And that's for just winning almost everything. Yeah, just participating in this Super League alone, you get three hundred million pounds. Yeah, there's a ton of money. So that's basically if you go like winless the entire season, you'll still be guaranteed basically more than if you won out in all these other competitions. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. And that's why a lot of these owners decided, you know why not just go for it? Because there's, it's not, they're not going to lose anything, but they would lose a lot of the tradition of the club and also of just the sport yeah. in general. But like the money was just too hard to say no to, which is a very selfish thing to do. Yeah. But and it, it you know, was, that's something we'll go into. <laughs> like it's, it's its own other dilemma, but yeah. You know. And I, um, I think that kind of leads into like, you know, kind of why it was created was the main reason was just money. It was like straight up money. And mm-hmm. I think it was interesting because the, the main people that were kind of backing, like the main head honchos of this program uh, were obviously Perez, um, Florentino Perez, or as our friend Polo would say, Papa Perez, <laughs> was from the Real Madrid owner, one of the big um, advocates for it. And then you had from Manchester United, the Glazers and Ed Woodward were big proponents of it then you had for liverpool um the fenway sports group um because like they're an american back company were big proponents of it and you kind of see the uh kind of the pattern here stan Kroenke for arsenal a lot of it a lot of the main backers were american based owners they were american based ownership and these were the uh, the same people that were kind of backing the system because as we know in American sports, there's no such thing as a relegation or promotion in any of our big leagues like MLB, NBA, NFL. There's no such thing. Like, yeah, in the NBA, you have the G League, but no G League team can just get promoted to the NBA. And even in the MLS, there's no way a UL, a USL team can get promoted to the MLS. It's like once you're in the MLS, you're in the MLS. And the way the US-based sports system works is in the pro leagues, at least, if your team sucks, there's an incentive for you to just keep sucking because then you can have a chance to get a Trevor Lawrence like the Jaguars are. Like think about this past NFL draft, season. Yeah. yeah. The Jaguars and the Jets, at a certain point, they just knew that they were gonna be they weren't gonna be in the playoffs. So they were just like, okay, let's tank. And we see that so much in American sports is that if your team is not going to be good enough, you just go ahead and tank because it's like, okay, I have a chance to get like the best young player out there. But in Europe, especially in soccer and European soccer, if you suck, like there's a huge incentive for you to not suck because as Tyler said in the Premier League, if you get kicked out of the Premier League, if you get relegated, I mean, that's a hundred mil that's just lost of TV revenue and just like the overall revenue. And, and not only that, but the exposure you get as being a Premier League club, being on TV all the time, like especially in the US, like being on a major US network um, and other networks and such. And if you're, let's say, in the championship, there is a incentive for you to keep trying and get better because then you have a chance to get like the 100 mil from the Premier League and keep going. We literally saw Leicester City go from League 2 to like League 1 to championship 
to Premier League, to Premier League title winners, to Champions League. And that to me is like probably been like one of the greatest appeals of European soccer for me because I just never saw that before in any type of sporting system. That's just that was just never possible. And you'll just never see that in a US based sporting system where it basically incentivizes people to tank to get better. But in Europe, it incentivizes you to keep getting better to get better. And it's almost um and this Super League would have basically disbanded that and almost make it essentially a US based type sporting system where if you're bad, you still get rewarded for being bad, which, you know, in a lot of ways that shouldn't be the case. And that that was that was the main reason a lot of people were um just really upset about the uh the whole Super League and everything. Mm -hmm. And to also kind of go into slightly more detail about like what Yesh is talking about for like incentives to the tank is like there's no draft in the European soccer leagues. There's Mm -hmm. no there's no re restocking of, you know, Manchester United getting the 32nd pick in the you know Premier League draft. It's it's not like that. And the NFL is very much based on where you are when you when you when you finish the season, like the Mm -hmm. worst team with the worst record will get the first pick in the NFL draft to to get get the best college player in that season's or in that year's, you know, college graduates. So yeah. like, you know, this upcoming year will be Trevor Lawrence. And the worst team was the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. But in the Premier League, the worst team, Sheffield United, they don't get anything for being last <laughs> place. They just get chucked down to the lower league yeah. and they lose a lot of money, actually. Yeah, and they lose a lot of their good players, too, when they get Yeah, like, and a lot of their players will leave. And also, there's no salary cap system in the Premier League yeah. or in other European leagues. There's nothing like that to help r- regulate, you know, certain teams spending more than other yeah, teams there is financial really, fair play but and you know it have, yeah. really is not enforced because when you see like man city and psg just go wild all the time mm-hmm. like and you and it's very lenient compared to nfl and even like nba nba has like a luxury tax if you want to go above like a certain salary mm-hmm. cap i know nfl is very strict this is very much like if you're not above this or even at a minimum of 90 percent of the salary cap, you'll get yeah. fined. And it, so to me, like, I never, I'm just gonna be honest. I just never understood like the whole luxury tax system and like the whole, uh, like the way the salary cap works in like the NFL and NBA, it always just seems so confusing to me. Um, <laughs> it's just never, it was just like, it was just always like a cap and everything. And in the MLS, um, you see it too, that certain clubs, like they kind of reach their cap and they can't sign more better players. They just have to kind of make do with what they have right now. Exactly. And, that's why a lot of these American owners were buying into the Super League because they've seen it work in the NFL. They've seen it work in NBA. It's not really working too well in the MLS, if we're going completely honest, because <laughs> if you look at the CONCACAF Champions League, we always lose to La, La, La Mexican. I don't even know what the league Liga is. MX. Like, Liga MX. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I was like, what is it? <laughs> but yeah, it's Liga MX. Yeah. We always lose to those teams because they don't have a salary cap. They yeah, don't it's have... Just, they, like, it's kind of just a European-based model. Right. So, you know, MLS, we have the same thing where every team can only spend X amount of money on the salary of the players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, we already have our own isolated system of how that's working. And so far, they're trying to make it even for every single team. But yet, you know, every single year you see like Portland Timbers always in the playoffs. You see certain yeah. teams always in the playoffs. So it's more. So they try to make it merit based that way. But in Europe, they have academies. They have players going through getting exposure from FA Cup domestic leagues and just various other competitions like Champions League where when you when you see Ajax play like Manchester United that's when you start seeing like oh David Neres I'd never heard about him but he's he could be someone big yeah. you know Donny van de Beek 
Davidson Sanchez, like these players, they got like the big spotlight facing these big teams yeah. in big competitions. Yeah. And that's how they really, you know, and, made their ascension up. And th- that's where you see like, um, I guess it's more of like a rant about like why the European system is like, it's the, the, I would say this is why a lot of people were so upset about the Super League was because you see, and we have seen like, like really big underdog stories like Porto when Jose Mourinho won the Champions League with Porto and when Leicester City won the Premier League when you see Granada who have a, who's been a team in La Liga that has struggled um, a lot but have made their way into the Europa League um, you see those underdog stories all the time they come up pretty much every season that's always that one random underdog that has come out of nowhere I know for even for um, Serie A last year Atalanta when they came and got really close to winning the Champions League I know they got knocked out in the um, in the semifinals I believe but they got close and so many people are upset because with the Super League that would have destroyed all those underdog stories and all those you know those stories that so many people that really enjoy the sport they cling on to because it's like, oh my gosh, it's like someone that I can root for because it's not one of the top dogs or one of the big boys, you know? Mm-hmm. And also I feel like it would kind of kind of alienate those opportunities for those teams because even like, let's say Burnley goes off in the new Premier League without these top <laughs> six teams, no one's really going to care. It's kind of like when you see North Dakota State with Trey Lance going off. Yeah, you know Trey Lance and then they went 16-0, and but they're still not going to make it into the college football playoffs because yeah. they're, they're in their competition. own world. Yeah, yeah, the, the competition's, competition's going to be way less. So, like this Super League, it kind of eliminates that story of potential of all these like lesser, not lesser opposition, but just not well-known opposition, not historically successful opposition being able to make these upsets, make these crazy stories that historically have made soccer what it is. Mm-hmm. And they just make it so that you always see the big headline game every single week of yeah. Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Real Madrid versus Liverpool, you know, Arsenal versus Tottenham. And even Jurgen Klopp said himself, he's like, who wants to see Real Madrid versus Liverpool every single season? Like yeah. the magic of seeing them even play, it's like, it's it's a it rare thing. It happens every once in a while. Like, I yeah, remember when Barcelona got uh, Manchester United, drew Barcelona after the PSG round of 16. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Because like, I've never seen that. At least when I became a fan, the last time they played United was I think 08. No, it was in the Champions League final in 20... Um, 2011 I believe it was a yeah it was a one in Wembley it was a Barcelona mm-hmm. Manchester United game in Wembley and I believe that was the last time they played Barcelona in the Champions League and I was like whoa like I I was super excited because I was like okay I get to watch Messi I get to watch like they're going to go to the Camp Nou I mean it's going to be crazy and I know Jamie Carringer made a really good point he was like it's going to get boring watching Manchester United play Barcelona every week or Manchester United play Real Madrid every week. It's just going to get boring. No one wants to see that. And they said like the beauty of Champions League knockout stages is that occasionally you'll get like the really exciting draw of like Bayern versus PSG or Bayern versus um, Liverpool where just that doesn't happen that often. And when it does, it's like, oh my gosh, you're seeing Lewandowski versus Van Dijk. You're seeing Mane versus, um, you know, the Bayern defender. I mean, it's just not normal. So it gets you more excited for the matchup. Because, mm-hmm. like, as something Yosh is kind of touching on, is like, not all these teams make it into the Champions League or Europa yeah. League every single season. Like, it's very much merit based, where they have to finish in the top four, top three, or top two yeah. of their respective domestic leagues at the end of the season in order to qualify for these competitions. Mm-hmm. And something that we also probably should have mentioned as well, but like, for those 
told or like UEFA, who is the governing football body, who's also kind of corrupt. In yeah. Itself. And so also UEFA and FIFA, like we're yeah, both FIFA. stamping down, but like, let's not forget these guys are also bad people too, because they're very, 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 very corrupt. And they let a lot of things like kind of slide underneath the table a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. So these guys are also money. corrupt as well. Right. And then that's why we have a world cup next year in Qatar. Like, yeah. Like why? <laughs> There's yeah. not an infrastructure for it or anything. They just had a lot of oil money. Exactly. And they slipped it under the table to, to FIFA. But these two entities are the entities that are running, you know, FIFA is running the World Cup and then UEFA is running the European leagues of Champions League and Europa League. Mm-hmm. And they told the players and the managers as well where if these Super League, if the Super League exists, the players possibly within these leagues could be banned from participating yeah. in FIFA competitions or UEFA competitions, which yeah. means you might not be able to see Messi play for Argentina. Yeah. Or you might not be able Cristiano to see Ronaldo play for Portugal ever again. Mm-hmm. Or the most important one for, I feel like, the American listeners, Pus- Christian Pulisic, Pulisic yeah. would not be able to play for the US. And they, he wouldn't be able to play for the US when the World Cup comes to the US in yeah. 2026. So it wouldn't huge. be like, yeah, it's not like you can leave Chelsea this, like the year before the, the World Cup, and then it's like, oh, now he can qualify for the World Cup. Apparently, it would have been like a ten-year ban yeah. or something like that, where it's like if you're in it, you're like you're you can't you basically can't play yeah. in these competitions and for your whole career. I guess I that kind of um, I guess one of the big downfalls was it was that like we mentioned, it was more the twelve owners because I guess some of the reaction that came from the Super League was if you saw the interviews from Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, there was reports of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and you saw all the outrage from the players and the staff and everyone was because. No one was briefed about this. It was literally 12 owners coming together and meeting and they made the decision themselves. They never consulted the fans. They never consulted the club. They, they, they never consulted the staff, the managers, the players. And essentially when it was formed, all these owners just basically came and told the players like what's going on. And I know for Manchester United, at least when Edward Ward came and told the, told the players and the manager about what was going on, um, one of the players that was very outspoken about not liking it was Harry Maguire. He confronted Ed Woodward about it and confronted like how messed up it was that they were just told that this was going to be the thing and they were not happy about it. And then we saw players like Andrew Herrera, Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford, the entire Liverpool squad, you know, Raheem Sterling, um, so many other players across Europe um, kind of voiced their concerns about this and why they didn't want it because basically they said this isn't football. And a lot of fans were creating signs saying created by the poor, stolen by the rich. So it was definitely one of those things where it was 12 greedy owners that came in, wanted to make as much money, make a big cash grab and essentially just let the repercussions happen. And it was just very sad that they didn't even consult anyone. They did like, they just kind of swept it under the rug and just did it behind everyone's back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's going to lead into our third point of like this kind of intro for what is a super league, but like, why is this is bad for the sport? Like mm-hmm. that kind of point. I feel like at this point, you might be able to kind of allude to why yeah. it's very bad for the sport, but kind of the, the the main foundations for this whole thing was that there was no communication amongst the players, the managers, or even the fans from the owners that this was happening. This is solely the owners taking over and deciding as if they were the literally the literal owners of the club, like with no other consideration for anyone else in the club, that this is going to be their decision and their decision alone for why they're doing it. And basically, 
it kind of made like a huge divide between owner and everyone else. And then it kind of united everyone against it united all fans of all different clubs together to kind of ban against these owners to say, Hey, like, this is not your club. Like you're the owner, but like you don't own like what the club represents mm-hmm. because essentially this would have destroyed all tradition yeah. for these clubs. And you know, the players, I don't know if they would have stayed with the teams. I don't know if the managers would have stayed with the teams because they, I apparently they heard the news the same time we heard the news. Yeah. Or if not, maybe a few hours before, which is yeah, insane. So, literally, I've, there was reports that Solskjaer was just briefed on it real quickly right before they kicked off against Burnley. Like literally right before he exited the Old Trafford Tunnel to play against Burnley. Like that's crazy. Like imagine going to work and then at work, you just all of a sudden hear it's like, you know what, we're going to we're going to get I guess that kind of happens at work sometimes like we just got bought out by like this other company and, uh, <laughs> everything's going to change <laughs> like everything you know about what you do at work now is just throw it out the window it's just or like everything you know about this one thing it's like it's, it's done it's, exactly it's like that doesn't happen in for a whole sport like people were saying like football is going to die and you know some of my friends have been have told me it's like that's a little dramatic isn't it i'm like no, no it was literally what was going to happen I, mean, like, I, I remember i texted tyler i was like dude i really got to reconsider if i want to support this club anymore manchester united and like i've been a, since i started watching soccer and since i started supporting that i've watched like every manchester united game you've heard me rant about manchester united for like the past um uh Two, two and a half years when the premier product started, I've watched like literally every game, like when I was in college and everything. And I was just like, dang, like I actually have to reconsider if I want to support this club. Cause I can't like, it just be so wrong in so many ways. And I know you were kind of feeling, I was like, man, it just doesn't feel right. Like mm-hmm. to support something like this. And like, it just felt embarrassing where it's yeah. kind of like, I'm supporting a team that's just money first because that's literally, it's like According Liverpool's the, quota, like mo, like literally quote is like you'll never walk alone. Exactly, it was, it's literally the people's club, and then it's like, what the heck? Like, does, does any of those chants, any of those lyrics mean anything? Mm-hmm. Like John Henry, Hen, John Henry, the owner of you know Fenway Sports Group, is like, yeah. does that mean anything to him? Like he's been at the he's been at these games, he's been at the like the press box, he's been you know watching these games live, and like he's heard the chants, he's been there to sing the songs as well. It's like, did none of that resonate to him when that, when all this was going down and when he was making this decision, because mm-hmm. apparently it, it didn't look like it, it did. Yeah. But like the, one of the craziest quotes I heard was like, and one of the reporters from sky sports kind of basically saying how one of the board members from one of these teams was saying that there was a very profit and revenue based decision first. And then the, preservation of the club's traditions and the, the like legitimacy of the sport yeah. itself and the league came mm-hmm. second like wasn't that exact quote but like that yeah. was the essentially gist. the 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 gist of like what was going on and that to, that to me uh, over the initial reaction of like okay these are really 12 greedy money money driven owners um i really felt for because you know Tyler and I, we we're both born in america we both picked up premier league you know later on in our lives but so many people and so many of their stories in Europe, people like these big clubs, yeah, they get like a ton of support across the world. But in Europe, where the clubs are actually born, like Manchester, where like Mancunians, like where they're actually born and bred Manchester United fans, like some of these people have been supporting this club generation upon generations upon generations of just fan support. Like you literally have great and great 
grandparents that have been supporting this club since the 1930s that have been passed down all the way to the 20, 2021. And I felt so bad for them because be, essentially these owners just turned their back against all their players that have played and represented this club and also all the fans that have given their blood, sweat and tears to pay for tickets to go to the game, to buy merchandise, to buy um, souvenirs, to go to the games, to buy the subscription packages, to do all of that. They just turned their backs on them. And it was uh, that to me that hurt a lot because I'm like, man, these uh, these owners really just didn't care at the end of the day, you know, Mm -hmm. and to kind of hop on what Yes was also like talking about, too, there's. Even in Atlanta, like Atlanta, Georgia, you see like Liverpool pubs. You see yeah. like HQs for Arsenal. You see HQs where all Manchester United fans can come watch games in one tavern in mm-hmm. Atlanta. So like certain communities are built from these teams as well. And it's not as, you know, significant in America because like, you know, if Liverpool goes away, the tavern will still be there and it can still support other sports and other communities. But if you were to take that away from the whole t- city of Liverpool in England, I mean, it's not everyone's just going to go to Tranmere Rovers or Everton. Yeah. <laughs> like this, there's no way. And like, there's so many relationships. There's so many ties with this club and its city. You know, like literally if you watch that Sunderland till I die documentary, yeah, you can see sometimes the morale of a whole city can be tied to the, the football performance. Club yeah. And the performance. So literally taking that away from that, that kind of pride, that kind of history, that kind of morale booster, that kind of charisma from a whole city from taking away its club is so significant. Like it's, it's really hard to describe because <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's not really that anything equivalent in the U S really. So, yeah, I mean, the, I think the closest thing that I could get to it is just like, you know, I know, in the South, at least a lot of people rep like college sports, like their college mm-hmm. football team, like pretty heavily. And like, you know, they have generations upon fans that come to UGA football games and everything. But it's just like if UGA were to all of a sudden pack up and leave and go to another city in Georgia, it wouldn't be the same. You know, it just be it would hurt like a ton of people. Uh, so it, that to me, like really got to me because I'm like, gosh, like these guys really just turned their backs against um uh, all the people that have been supporting this club for years upon years. And then um, it was just a, uh, it was just really shocking when I heard that. And I think um, it also spoke true about how, I guess, I guess how ticked off a lot of people were about the whole situation was when you saw protests and upon protests within even like Premier League players wearing shirts such as Leeds United, where they literally had the Champions League logo and they were like, earn it. And you had literally social team accounts or social media accounts for these specific teams, like picking, like basically playing jokes and releasing statements about how they condemn the Super League and how they think it's not right for the game. And then you also have pundits who have been former legendary players for these clubs like Gary Neville, Jerry, Jamie Carringer, literally calling out their own club and their own owners and literally calling them basically worthless and disgraceful for the game. And that just shows you how bad it was and how important it was to the entire European FA community that, um, that, it, that this Super League does not happen. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you were to look at quotes from just other professional players, like Real Ferdinand calls this a disgrace. Yeah, like this whole league a disgrace because it takes away a competition. But at the same time, as well, it united so many people across all different rivalries and fan bases because it literally affected everyone. Yeah, because even the teams, like even if you're a supporter of Grimsby Town in England or like Salford City, like all these like League Two sides that 
is like, how are they affected? It's like, well, if you were to play in the FA Cup and then, you know, your Lincoln Town team faces or gets paired out with like Manchester United, everyone's going to go to that game because that's going to be the only time you ever have your local town, some random like MK Dons facing a Manchester United. Everyone's going to go to that game and that brings in a ton of revenue. And yeah. that's just going to pick up the team, pick up the city that it's surrounding and everyone's just going to unite and then kind of watch this game. And, you know, even if they get destroyed 6-0, it's still like a big opportunity for these players to play against a big side like Manchester United or even to get exposure for the players themselves within these teams. And also Mm -hmm. just to bring in revenue for the city because like everyone who's a Manchester United fan will also come in through the city and, you know, watch them play against an MK Dons or Wimbledon. So like that kind of grassroots thing that a lot of people have been mentioning has also been something that'll trickle down from not only the Premier League sides, but also just every single team that these team that these play that these clubs touch and also the players that get loaned into, you know, clubs from other leagues as well. So there's just a lot of money that'd be shuffled around that you don't really think about, but all those little tiny things make a big difference. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, even like Joe Willick in the Premier League got loaned from Arsenal to Newcastle. And now Newcastle has gotten some goal saving games from Willock and it's going to stay yeah. in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So like all these little things kind of all add up, which is why it really did affect everyone. Like everyone kind of united and I've never seen a community come together so quickly. Like it was literally like a 12th man as they like to say in sports where yeah. you usually have 11 people on the field. This is like 12th outrage. men are the fans. So like everyone just came together and I mean that kind of really showed true where it was just shocking for everyone to see the owners doing this because we've been in a pandemic for a year now and there have been no fans in the stadiums. Yeah. We've been playing with like almost yeah, no soul and, and for I a think, whole year. I think a lot of people were upset in the UK as well because the whole message that a lot of these teams were trying to promote was like, oh, we're all in this together. Football will kind of bring everyone together. And then um, then you have the owners just kind of taking that away and just, you know, no, we're, we're just going to have it for our own. You know? Yeah, we're going to be separate from everyone. Like yeah. literally that was such a big divide and such a terrible message to put on everyone just mm-hmm. from the owners themselves. It was a very selfish decision. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know about you, Yosh, but it's like, I mean, we've talked about it before. We've seen teams suffer without having fans. And, you know, in my opinion, the Super League would have zero fans. Yeah. So it's like who who would even, you know, I mean, there'd be some people that obviously still watch, but it's just like they wouldn't have the the same kind of a feel and one thing i did want to mention kind of more business terms kind of things like that it's just like we know we're talking about all this it's like no one's gonna like the super league even if it happened there's not gonna get any support i don't even know the players are gonna want to participate in it because Uh they might get banned from playing in these you know fifa competitions and uefa competitions yeah it's like how are they gonna sustain being able to pay 300 mil yeah euros and pounds to all these teams if they have no fans or no big sponsors because like let's say they always joke with liverpool that like dunkin donuts is like a big sponsor and then like they want to just keep putting that logo and everything around the stands and things like that but these sponsors are not going to want to pay the same amount of money to get their logo out there to get their name out there their brand out there if not as many eyes are watching the games yeah and also long term if there's less and less fans watching this league then they're not going to have enough money to sustain the salaries of these players and they're not going to have enough to you know get the tv ratings up to even get those tv deals to even get 300 mil 
yeah every single season so i didn't even see like a long-term solution for this i think i feel like there was just blind optimism that everyone's <laughs> just gonna hop on board with this yeah because yeah. i was like i don't even know how this is gonna be sustainable like this makes this is like just someone's dream that they just wrote down on a dream journal it's like yeah this could work like i think <laughs> yeah. i'm like it made no sense to me yeah I, I i agree with you and i think even amazon came out and said that they don't even support this and Amazon was reportedly going to be one of the, the the TV broadcasters that the Super League was going to try to go after. And they even backed off and were like, no, we, we don't support this. So in general, even companies that were to support them, I think a lot of fans would even get turned off by those companies because like, why, why would you support something like this, you know? Um, and it, like, you, like Tyler had mentioned, I think it was so cool to kind of see the uproar and kind of the, the collective... I guess, uproar from all fans across the country of Europe, but also across the nation and across the world. Um, we saw everyone just kind of united against the Super League. And that, I guess, kind of leads into like the fallout of it. And obviously, when we're recording this, it's pretty much been disbanded. It's, well, temporarily disbanded. I think um, a lot of these clubs may try to figure out a way to kind of do this again in another type of fashion but at least for now it's um disbanded but what we saw yesterday at least was we saw like the openings or the cracks starting to show where chelsea were rumored to be like the first club to leave but man city officially were the first premier league club to leave then chelsea followed suit then arsenal then manchester united then obviously tottenham and um obviously chelsea or liverpool as well and then we saw barcelona leave atletico madrid dropped out AC Milan, Inter Milan left. Um, so all these clubs slowly started to leave. And what we saw, um, a lot of excitement, but um, we saw a lot of these clubs issue out statements. And I know for Arsenal, they were pretty strong about like, we are deeply sorry and apologize. Manchester United, on the other hand, didn't really put, they were just like, we just left the Super League and didn't offer any type of explanation or anything like that to the fans. Um, Ed Woodward resigned because of this, because uh, there were reports that saying that he'd miss he totally misjudged what the reaction would have been. And he basically said it was like the worst mistake he ever did was signing up for the super league because now he's just like his, his world and reputation is just tarnished. Um, but mm -hmm. we saw today that Joel Glazer, he came out with the statements basically saying that he is, uh, he got things wrong and they're sorry and they want to try to make things right. But there were reports that apparently because of the fallout of this, the Glazers might be willing to sell Manchester United. And if you know me, I've been ranting about Ed Woodward and the Glaciers for literally since this podcast has started on um, the origin of it. And it was just so happy to see that the Glaciers might actually sell because I think so many United fans have been just so fed up with the way this ownership has taken over the club, how they've just been treating the club in terms of just always taking out as much money as they can, never really going out of their way to really reinvest into the squad. Ed Woodward not really being the guy to get things done. So it was really... A lot of United fans were jubilated when they saw Ed Woodward resign and then the thought or the at least the report that the Glazers have a willingness to sell. So we saw that come out of Manchester United. We saw for um, Liverpool, at least for Tyler, that the owner for the Fenway Sports Group, he put out a video, um, apology video. And I know um, for me, when I saw the Joel Glazer letter, I was like, eh, like, you know, you really haven't done anything to show that you actually care about the club in years past. How can we trust you now? I know Tyler um, was a little, he was kind of um, indifferent about the apology because it's like, you know, if you turn your back now, what, what what's going to stop you from doing it again? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's always a saying, it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me <laughs> twice, shame on me. And I don't know, it's, it really is, this is kind of one of those big red flags where it's kind of like, oh, 
this is like if you're in a relationship like this is like equivalent of like cheating yeah like literally like this is a no-no like yeah. i feel like they're all trying to the owners that haven't left they're all trying to kind of do like a 180 it's like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean it since this is my bad it was a mistake <laughs> i wasn't thinking clearly exactly kind of things like that but it's like you know what you're doing you're like Come on, yeah. <laughs> like, these are these are smart people. They have a ton of money. They know what exactly what they're doing, and I mean, I know for Yush, this is a dream for him because all the people that he's been ranting about for <laughs> many pods, they're all potentially gone. Like Edward Woodward's out out the door. The Glaciers might be out. So I was like, oh my, this might be the biggest brain play from Super League to get all these <laughs> owners out of here. But I mean, for me personally, for you know the Fenway Sports Group. I, I will have to say, like, they helped Liverpool make it to a Champions League final twice with, you know, funding and all that, getting Van Dyke. I mean, it took a little bit. And then after winning everything, it was like, oh, we have no money all of a sudden. So I don't know about that. But, you know, at, at the at the cost of the Red Sox, you know, Liverpool ascended. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, there's that. But at the same time, I, I will say for me, I still have been deciding is like whether or not it's ultimately it's not my decision. It's like whether or not some of these owners should be able to stay because, you know, I know for example, like Chelsea, if they lose Roman Abramovich, they're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's literally all their money, their wheelhouse. And also for Man City, if they lose their money, it's just like, they're nothing. Cause like they literally had just been money bags for the past decade. <laughs> and for Liverpool, you know, there will be other suitors, you know, like LeBron James getting a new stake in the team. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, John Henry is the main stakeholder of the club. But I mean, this is something I'm going to a little later, but I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it now where it's like a lot of people have been saying these owners should either lose ownership of the teams. Yeah. I don't know if that's a like legal way of doing repercussions that. of these actions mm-hmm. or there's a way to kind of like sanction or like kind of find them directly and not really affect the club because ultimately the club did not make these decisions. It was the owners. So yeah. like. For example, if you were to just ban all these teams from playing in UEFA next year as an example of repercussion or maybe transfer ban them for a year or two for even for signing up for it, you're you would be hurting the club for like not something that wasn't their decision. So like Pep Guardiola wouldn't be able to participate in the Champions League, even though he won the Premier League the previous season Mm -hmm. or maybe. Klopp wouldn't be able to transfer anyone, even though he didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. So I still think it should be a way to affect the owners for making this decision mm-hmm. and kind of put some kind of accountability for why for their actions. So that's one thing as well. But then also the second thing is in the Bundesliga, we saw no Bundesliga teams join this. Yeah, no league on no league on or Bundesliga teams so, joined. So surprisingly PSG did not join, which is very <laughs> surprising to me because usually they're historically very big on being profit or like just having a lot of money basically they, yeah. they literally bought out the whole league oh <laughs> even though they're not they're they're not yeah, guaranteed they, a these are the season. same people that were able to afford neymar and mbappe in one year in like the same exactly. transfer window so how does that even happen it was already shading itself but i mean they already had at least the moral backbone to not join this league and for Bayern munich as well dortmund you know i, I applaud all of them for not willing to join in and even Bayern Munich directly said themselves that they did not want to participate at all. Yeah. And I think a part of it is because in the Bundesliga, 51% of the stake of every single team is owned by the fans from what I've read on the internet, yeah. if that's correct. Yeah. I've heard so, that. I've heard that as well. I think 
potentially that's something that all leagues should possibly strive towards because then it would give a lot more emphasis that not one owner can make all these rash decisions. Yeah. So instead of finding a way to kind of not only make sure the owners are accountable for their actions, but also it's a way to kind of prevent something like this from happening again, where it gives the fans a say in this because basically the past few days, you know, Yush and I, we felt, we felt like we couldn't do anything. It was just like, our clubs might just die at this point. Yeah. And we can't do anything about it. All we can say is just, please don't do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, with having fans be owners, part owners of the club, it gives them a say, it gives them a chance to really make decisions for the team. And that's something that I really thought was surprisingly, not even surprisingly, but just something that I didn't even know was a big thing in the Bundesliga, but that would yeah. definitely help prevent something like this yeah. from happening again. I know for the American side, I know Green Bay Packers kind of had that same model where they actually have a, um, they have the owner, but then a lot of, uh, like a, a, a majority of it is also owned by like um, fans and just like the normal Green Bay Packers fans. But I agree. I think what Tyler was mentioning, I know in the heat of it, I kind of mentioned that when I texted Tyler while this was all going on, I was like, I wouldn't be opposed of a one-year transfer ban on all these clubs. But as more news came out, it just, to me, it just didn't seem right because it's Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, as we said, all these clubs, managers, players, they had no knowledge of it. They had no doing of it or anything. And to me, it would just do a disservice to them because it's like they literally just showed up to work and now they're getting punished. But like Tyler mentioned, I think there has to be a way to punish these owners. And I don't know if it's legally you're able to just force them to sell or if they have to give up a stake of their club or you hit them with a really big fine or maybe each club has to have like a super strict transfer budget for the next um, season or next two seasons or something like that. I just want to see something where we do punish these owners because I just don't want them to just basically get out of this agreement, get a slap on the wrist and be like, okay, you can kind of do whatever because then it's not going to, it's nothing's going to stop them from doing this again. Um, if they don't show, if there's no type of enforcement of any type of action for them. And apart from all of this, I hope we just always remember that during this time, it was these 12 greedy owners, you know, remember the names, Abramovich, Daniel Levy, uh, you know, the Fenway Sports Group, the the Glazers, Ed Woodward, Florentino Perez, um, the Juventus uh, president, Andrea Agnelli, um, Agnelli um, like all these owners that basically made the decision to do this. Um, I know for a lot of football fans, they're going to remember these names because these are the guys that tried to strip away the game and, you know, take away like the joy of it and turn it into just the big cash grab. Mm-hmm. And like the fallout is going to just keep going. Like we're only on the day after basically. Yeah, we're on day one, basically. We're day fallout. one post fallout. So like we, you know, we're kind of just saying what have been on our minds immediately and like what's immediately happened afterwards. But I mean, I'm just feeling relief if anything yeah. so far as just a Liverpool fan in itself. But right now... I don't know. It's just, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot to, to kind of take in where it was a lot of buildup and then it kind of fell apart really quickly within two days. Like they yeah. took a plan that was, you know, 20 years in the making and just kind of scrapped it within two days, Yeah, which is really good. Cause I mean, of course now it kind of showed the power of the fans showed how much it really power of players like, too, to yeah, power they, of players, players well. and managers standing up and not, you know, folding into whatever the owners had to say. 
Mm-hmm. And I will want to say as well for like our own listeners, it's like the kind of message that the managers have been saying and the players have been saying is like, don't blame them because it literally was not their fault. Like literally they've been, you know, getting messages on, you know, social media, things like that. It's like, why are you doing this? It's like, it wasn't even them. It yeah. was, it was the boss. Like they're yeah. just, you know, here, like, the, you know, Jurgen Klopp is just the manager. Like he's just here to manage the players. Players are just there to, you know, play on the pitch and they're not really the ones making these decisions. So like mm-hmm. they really can't be the ones to blame. They're just the employees. Yeah. As you know, as Klopp said. So really it's kind of also getting that kind of stance in that as well, where like, or not stance, but like that kind of perspective that we usually have don't see before in sports or not in sports in general, but at least in the Premier league and other European leagues where it's starting to look like a business at some points instead of a sport Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh yeah. You kind of remember this is still a sport in the highest level, but in, certain aspects of it it is also a business they're making money from this they're making some profits but Mm -hmm. at the same time you know the owner should not be there to make profits or anything like that they should be there to help the team win trophies and that's ultimately what the point of it is it's just to win as many games as you can and then win trophies and then build the history of the club and that's ultimately what it is i know it in the nfl at least i heard that it's kind of lucrative to own an nfl team but yeah in the premier league at least it's not a guarantee. If anything, you can lose a lot of money. So. Yeah, especially if you don't invest and if you're not involved. Um, yeah, like Tyler mentioned, it was a it was very interesting to see like the day one of the fallout. Like we said, we are only on day one, but um, even for FIFA and UEFA, I know they were kind of with the supporters and stuff and trying to disband that. But as we mentioned, you know, don't forget that these guys are also not like the the good guys. If you were to say like the superheroes, these guys also have a lot of shady stuff going back behind them as well. And I think what this also shows is kind of how powerful when the supporters and everyone kind of come together, how powerful supporters, managers, and players, if they all kind of unify towards one message, how powerful it can be in terms of kind of eliminating certain things. And I know a lot of people, a lot of players are kind of calling out for um, ending racism in the sport, or at least trying to eliminate as much as possible in the sport. If um, those actions in terms of trying to eliminate it would given like the same type of energy and type of uproar, like this has, um, we could potentially see more strides. And I think that's also important to remember that, um, you know, like we mentioned UEFA and FIFA kind of being bad guys, they do a lot of stuff about, you know, these World Cups being in countries where, you know, they're kind of using slave labor to make these stadiums and stuff like that. It shows how powerful it is if all the supporters and everyone come kind of basically come together, um, all the broadcasters, all the pundits, coming together to stop um, something that is not wrong. So I think this has shown that how powerful um, people can be if they all like team up and uh, join together. So if anything, that was probably one of the benefits of it is just seeing, you know, everyone can kind of come together towards a common goal and it's not impossible. Um, But yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of like the big, I guess like big talking points or big fallout from the, uh, the super league. And I wanted to just quickly uh, dazzle in um, something that also broke, during the Super League was Jose Mourinho, unfortunately getting the sack from Daniel Levy. And basically almost, I think if we were to sum up Jose Mourinho's reign, I think it was basically just a little bit over a year. Six days before a cup final, Daniel Levy decides to sack probably one of the best um, one-off game managers of all time, 
sacks him. And now Ryan Mason, the 29-year-old um, youngest manager ever in the Premier League, is now the caretaker for the last seven games in Spurs' season. And yeah, it was funny because Jose Mourinho is actually the first and only manager to be sacked in the Super League. The special one uh, reigns again. But uh, it looked like when the post, uh, when the Sky Sports interviewed him while he was cleaning out his office and everything, he looked actually pretty happy. So I don't know if that just shows like maybe there was a falling out with him and Daniel Levy. He was just relieved to get out of the situation. But yeah, Jose Mourinho, not a Tottenham anymore. I mean, you know, Jose, he's not going to be scared to say his opinion. <laughs> and if, or at least express an opinion because even when he was leaving his office, he kind of put on a smile, but at the same yeah, time, like, you kind of know I never what leave thinking. football or something like that. Yeah, he's like, I'm always in football. I yeah. That was his quote, but mm-hmm. like literally, he, he apparently he also was very against the Super League yeah. and he refused to field his players for practice even as like a way to revolt and that's why he also got a sack. I don't think that'd be the main reason why. Yeah. I think his There's more results I think there was also like other reasons as well, like the results weren't going well. And I think there was also insider reports that um, a lot of people in the upper management of Spurs were really concerned about Mourinho continuously calling out his own players in the media. And when he kept doing it, they apparently got really annoyed and like, and it kind of ruined like the vibe of like the whole training room and everything um, because he kept calling out his players. And I'm like, look, I didn't want to say I told you so, but I had warned all Spurs fans, that these these are the warning signs and this was going to come. And it was crazy because he didn't even last his second year. Like, this is the year Jose Mourinho was supposed to be his best at clubs, his second season. And we didn't even see that this year. It just didn't mm-hmm. happen for him. But I just felt like it was kind of not the most professional move to move him off. I mean, I assume Tottenham wasn't suspecting the Super League was just going to cr- crumble within two days. Yeah. But within like the first day of it being announced, Jose Mourinho was sacked. And that news in itself kind of got lost in the rubble mm-hmm. where everyone was just like, I, everyone's just kind of more focused on the Super League rather than Jose Mourinho's departure. Yeah. And I feel like that was a very tactical move at the same time from them where they're like, you know, maybe we can get away with doing this <laughs> and then we'll be fine. But at the same time, in my opinion, at least I would have kept him. Yeah, at least for this final, because yeah, at least at do? this Ryan point, Mason? like, what are you going to get out of seven games? I mean, yeah, they have maybe a small puncher's chance of the top four, but you might as well just ride out with Mourinho for the end of the season and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it felt a little personal yeah. to kind of do that. And also it didn't feel smart because he, it's going to be Jose versus Pep potentially. Yeah. In this and now it's Ryan Carabao Mason, final. like 29-year-old yeah, Ryan, Ryan Mason. Mason. The former Tottenham Hull City CDM. I'm pretty sure some of you, that name might ring a bell. He's kind of <laughs> like that 5'9", kind of random bench midfielder that would get the start and substitution every here and there mm-hmm. back in the days, like years ago. Yeah. Like early. Like 2014-15. Yeah. So, um, and he's 29 and already back into management. So, that's yeah. actually kind of crazy. He's like Sean McVay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately for him, obviously, his career had to be cut short because of a really bad um fractured skull he has suffered but i mean it's good to see him you know back in manager like management and you know being in this position right now but it's funny because um there's a couple spurs players that are actually older than him like gareth bale who started today against southampton he is uh, played together (laughs) yeah there he's he was two years older than ryan mason so it's just funny that your gaffer you're 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 older than your gaffer i mean that's just it's crazy (laughs) imagine yush is my boss (laughs) <laughs> like something like that or it's like or like i guess in our scenario it'd be someone like 
like DK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to DK. But um, like something like that, where it's just like someone who was like an underclassman who's, you know, you guys played together, you guys work together. And it's like, all right, now he's going to help manage everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it does happen, but it's yeah. just like, it's kind of bizarre just to see in this scenario. And his first kind of big ask, although they face Southampton today, what is to basically face Man City and help Tottenham end a trophy drought Yeah, after years and years of not winning a trophy. And yeah. I don't know. I, I felt like, as I said at the beginning of the season, Tottenham, their priority should be winning a trophy no matter what it is. But I guess this is not big enough for Dan Levy to think it's like, oh, even if Mourinho wins, it doesn't even matter. We'll yeah. just sack him anyway. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's how much they care about this Carabao Cup. But I mean, that's kind of a shame. But I mean, I don't want that to the Super League to take away from Jose Mourinho's sacking yeah. because like the 17 months he's been here for Tottenham, <laughs> it's been it's been a wild ride. Yeah, like I really liked having Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he, in the he, Premier League because he's always a story. Yeah, I wonder where his uh, next role is going to be. I I don't know. I guess from his past recent club history. Um, in terms of like not being as successful as he once was in the past, I feel like that might deter some teams from going after him. I think maybe his next role could be an international international play. Could be, but um, at this point, I don't know. Uh, we'll see where Jose Mourinho kind of ends up. But you know, we didn't want to. We wanted to make sure we kind of hit on that because we didn't want that to get lost into all the news because it definitely did um, with everything. Mm-hmm. But I know this is not on a rundown because we just like kind of forgot because it's like some of the so many of like the the super league news but wanted to quickly just um uh preview the three games for the weekend so we have the first one arsenal everton um as we've seen a lot of the super league teams or the quote-unquote super league teams have kind of struggled coming back i know tottenham won but it was not the prettiest display um arsenal former super league team arsenal against everton um this one will be a really good one but I think that um, Everton will probably win this because of... I, I think they'll probably just show a little bit more heart than Arsenal at this moment. Hmm. I'm going to start up to say 2-2 because Dang, that's what you, I said you, for... Yeah, you called that for Spurs. Everton ended up 2-2. <laughs> I feel like that might happen again because right now there's a lot going in the heads of all the top six. The big six, I shouldn't say top six anymore because, you know, even by merit right now, Leicester's in the top six and yeah, so is West, West Ham. So, yeah. I mean, of the, the big six. original big six, you know, I think there's a lot going through their heads. So, and Arsenal, you know, not the most consistent. Now I'm saying it now. Usually I've been on their, their, their bandwagon, but not for this production. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say 2-2. Nice. All right. So, I'm going to – I'll just go like 2-1 Everton and you're going 2-2. Then we have um, – excuse me. We have uh, West Ham, Chelsea. This is going to be a really big one because this is essentially whoever wins this probably – can kind of lock themselves in to be in the top four. So it's a huge, huge game for both West Ham and Chelsea. But I'm just going to go ahead and pick West Ham because I'm going to pick a 2-1 West Ham win. I'm going to go Jesse Lingardino scoring the winner, winning goal. But I'm like, come on. I, I think West Ham, they're so close to the finish line. I, I actually think um, they could possibly do it. And so I'm going to back them. I'm going to go with a 2-1 West Ham win, and hopefully that will help them kind of secure a Champions League spot. That's what I wish would happen, but I, I'm thinking that's what my heart wants to happen, but my brain is saying Tuchel <laughs> this season after he's taken charge of Chelsea, he's just yeah, he's been a whole different fire. team. Like he just can't get scored on unless you send off one of his defenders, the red <laughs> card in like the first half. So I really think Tuchel can get a 1-0. He can find a way to get a 1-0 out of this and just beat West Ham. 
Because, I mean, West Ham lost to Newcastle last weekend. <laughs> and yeah, Newcastle starting to get some form. But at the same time, a lot of the goals Newcastle scored were from West Ham shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. West Ham from have done that a lot. I'm not going to lie. They go up pretty early and then they have a hard time of holding on to a lead. That's why you see them a lot, win a lot of games like 3-2, 2-1. They, they can't comfortably hold on to a lead for mm-hmm. to save their life. I don't think even they're going to get a league. I think it's just going to be one nil. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> one, just... one one nil to Chelsea. Okay, okay. So I I'm going to go two one West Ham, and then Ch- uh, Tyler's going. Um, you said one nil Chelsea. Yep. All right, and then the last game, uh, Leeds United versus Manchester United. This is going to be a really good one because if you remember earlier in the season, Manchester United thumped Leeds six two at home at Old Trafford. So this game, I think, will probably be with a lot of goals. Manchester United score a lot of goals. Leeds tend to play a little bit more of an open game. But I think the way United are kind of rolling, I think they'll probably win this game 3-1. So I'm going to go 3-1 United. I'm actually going to go... I want to say 2-2 again. Oh, man. I I watched Leeds go off against Liverpool. Like There's certain times when I was thinking Liverpool could have conceded way more than just one. (laughs) Liverpool kind of of gotten away with a 1-1 draw last weekend even though we really needed that win. But (laughs) Leeds were on fire. And I feel like, you know, Liverpool's defense isn't as great as it it used to be or typically is. But, I mean, United's is not that much better. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's going to be a lot of goals. I think it'll be more of a 2-2. I want to say, if anything, United could win 2-1. But I feel like right now, that momentum they would have got from that Liverpool side, you know, the Leeds side would have against from gaining from Liverpool it would give him some momentum and then get a 2-2 at least. Yeah. Nice. All right. So he's yeah. going to go with the draw. I don't I don't agree with that one. I think it's going to be a 3-1 <laughs> United win, but we'll see how this one um how this one goes, but um with that that kind of wraps up uh episode 114 for us. As we mentioned, it was a longish episode, kind of straying away from our normal way we t- typically do things, but since this is such a big topic and something that's been on our mind, we kind of wanted to structure it out a little bit more so make sure we hit all of the the points that we kind of had on it. But hopefully you guys found this video, I mean, this episode helpful because um, I know a lot of people were asking questions about it. Hopefully we were able to kind of, you know, maybe make it a little bit easier to understand and a little bit more of an enjoyable way to understand because I know with all the news going on, it was, uh, it was hard to keep up unless you actually knew what was going on. So hopefully this kind of uh, kind of gives like a little bit of a better explanation about everything. But you know, as we always say, you can um, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Also, leave us a rating on there. And if you want to, leaving us a review also helps helps us boost our um, chances of getting seen out to other people. But if you don't want to do any of that, that's totally fine. Just giving us a listen is more than enough. But if you want to help in another way, you could share this with one of your friends or anyone else that would be interested or who has questions about the Super League. Go ahead and share it with them um, and uh, go ahead and share our podcast with them. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find the video versions of the podcast at the Premier Pod. You can find all the video versions there. And you can also give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Premier Pod um, and leave us any questions or anything that you would like to talk about or any topics that you would want us to discuss in future episodes. Just uh, leave us a DM and we'll definitely respond to you guys um, in those DMs. So, As we always say, that kind of wraps up season three, episode 114 for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace. Peace.